Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. My guest today is Kate DeLeo, a self-proclaimed accidental strategist and author of Muting the Megaphone. Kate stumbled into branding during her career in sales, where she realized early on that if she wanted to make her quota, she needed to differentiate herself, her product, and her pitch. Since 2019, Kate has been teaching entrepreneurs and established business owners how to better pitch their audience and how to stand out from the crowd. Having created a trifecta framework, the first thing Kate teaches is is to help you realize that your sales will go up if you stop making business transactional and start looking at it as a conversation. Today, she shares her framework and strategies to help you build a better brand that will bring a higher conversion rate and customer loyalty. I love talking branding. Thank you so (laughs) much for joining me today and welcome to the show. Jeff, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and uh, chat all things branding with you. So I, like you, am a fellow corporate refugee. Right. Where I was working, uh, you know, in these, you know, in these offices and, you know, like you know, trying to make quotas and trying to, make, you know, trying to get things to work and to work right. And then I was like, you know, something to hell with this. I just um, I'm not built for it. I need to go out and do something on my own. Tell us a little bit about your story and how <laughs> you became so awesome. Well, okay. So I, I'm 36 years old. I'm an older millennial. I think like many people listening, um, if you have had a zigzag career path, that is that is me. And um, I started my career coming out of academia. I had originally intended to pursue a PhD in linguistic and culture, cultural anthropology. And when the market crashed, I actually had a professor that said, hey, I know you're about to study, you know, and move into your graduate work, but we don't really know where this field is going to be. And to be honest, you may just want to go get a day job and go pay off your debt. And so you know what I did? I dove into sales and I took a job cold calling IT professionals to sell them training classes, which is seriously the dumbest job you could take, right? In your 20s, because clearly IT people love to be called and they love to be sold to. But that's what I did took this job and it was actually in that job where I learned the power of branding because candidly, even after all of the, the sales scripts that they gave me and the training that they gave me, nothing was working. And I had kind of a make or break moment where I realized I have to figure out a different way to deliver a fast pitch that's going to compel somebody to want to have a conversation with me and see on the phone. And so that's what I did. And the method that I came up with at that time that I experimented with is now the crux of what I teach companies. It's called the brand trifecta. You know, what's interesting about uh, sales in general, right? Just zooming out a little bit 
yeah. is that teachers and academics usually make very good salespeople. Right. And I've noticed that across, across many different fields, like in real estate and in other tech things, you know, when they come from that, from that teaching background and then they go into sales, they're like, yeah, I got this. You know, like I can get up in front of anybody, you know, if I can, you know, if I, you lose the fear. (laughs) Yeah. You lose the fear of everything. Right. And, And what's cool about it though, is that, you know, like finding your niche, right. Finding out what is going to be the way that I'm going to make people respond to me and to my product. Right. What was that like for you? Like, how did you pivot from these cold scripts that, uh, that you were given into breathing more personality into Kate, the salesperson and actually closing more sales? How did that look? I mean, honestly, what it really looks like was having to get a, a piece of scratch paper out. And I think that many of us as entrepreneurs and leaders, we I think we fixate on what the competition's doing, what everybody else around us is doing. And we want to hit their goals that they've hit or uh, be like them or be better than them. And I think the first step for me is, was really coming back to, well, how the heck do I naturally communicate? How do I show up authentically? What is my tone of voice? What's my personality? Why am I trying to sound like a corporate parrot when really I have a better chance of breaking through the noise here if I just show up as myself? And, and treat this like an, a conversation. And so for me, that was the first step was owning my, my tone of voice in this pitch. And then the second thing was really going back to this question of, hold on, if I were in the customer's shoes or the prospect's shoes, what would I actually want to know to even want to talk to somebody? What do I typically research online? What am I looking for when I go and look for a product? And it really comes down to just three things that somebody needs to understand based on buyer psychology. And it was really getting to the bottom line as quickly as I could to say, hi, my name's Kate. This is what we do at this company. This is how I can help solve your problem. And hey, here's the one, two, three of how our company is different and better. And then I was shut up. That was honestly what I did for my pitch. How well was that received? Really well received. What was fascinating about this was that now, by the way, here I am, I'm calling IT professionals, right? So a percentage of them just hung up the phone. They're like, "Ugh, I do not have time for this. But the large majority would say to me, yeah, can you shoot me an email? I'm in the middle of something, but let me take a look. And then the other percentage would stay on the line with me and say, tell me what you've got. What's the price? What's the details? Like, how does it work? They were ready to go into the details, the minutia of what am I paying? What does this look like? What I recognized was that the ability to just cut through the noise and give people these three basic criteria opened the door for them to want to come to the table and have a conversation. And it really put the ball in their court. So instead of me feeling like a slimy salesperson, honestly, what I was doing is giving them choice in the matter. And because I gave them choice, they opted in. And that actually exploded my career in, in successfully running the pipeline in, that I managed. And then I got recruited out to go right brand. All right. So I got a great question for you then. Yeah. What is your favorite movie that exemplifies sales? Oh my God. That is a weren't expecting that one, question. Were you? My favorite movie that exemplifies sales. Sales done right. So I'll tell you mine. I'll, I'll prime you with mine. Tell me. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Right. So there's a very famous scene you know, uh, way in the beginning where, you know, the, the head sales guy comes into the office and he's got to whip up and shape up these uh, salespeople that are in the sales office. And he just shambles them. He just goes like, all right, you know, the, you know, the first prize is you win a new car. 
Second prize is you get a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're all fired, right? Because you guys aren't doing anything with the leads. You guys aren't doing, you know, it was just, and he just, sh- he spent 10, 15 minutes just shambling these people. There are a couple of great shorts on YouTube that you can look this up, mm. right? And one of the things that I really lit up to was the ferocity that Alec Baldwin was really talking to these people, right? And really getting under their skin and, you know, just trying to fire them up into understanding that, you know, sales is not just about, is not just about showing up and it's not just about, uh, you know, the, you know, putting a card in front of them and getting them to sign on the, on the dotted line. It's about building the relationship. It's about building the, uh, it's about building the, com- the camaraderie and, and ultimately building a win-win situation, right? Cause you don't want to build a situation where, where I win and you lose, right? You, you're trying to sell something that ultimately both people win. I love that. I mean, and even though I may not be able to come up with the perfect movie off the top of my head, I think that what you're hitting on is really important. I have this firm belief, you know, two beliefs that I've really kind of built my business and really run my business on. And and number one is that your, your business is really a conversation. It's not a transaction. And the problem that people run into, though, is as entrepreneurs is how in the world do you create conversations that convert? And that's where brand comes in. And I have this belief that based on the what I learned firsthand in my sales career is that sales is really about delivering a pitch that becomes your path of least resistance to revenue. Sales is really about a conversation that is telling somebody very simple things and allowing them space to respond and to ask the next question. That's actually what sales is really all about. I think that what's interesting is if I were to think just in general about my philosophy around sales, The thing that always comes to mind, there's always an object that comes into my brain. And the object that comes into my brain is a Rolodex. And by the way, people in my generation don't even know what a Rolodex is because they just have their phone book on their iPhone, right? But I remember one of my earliest memories. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, any of you people who are under 45, just go and Google it. You'll find it. My One of my earliest memories, this shaped my entire career, is I had a memory. My dad was a serial entrepreneur, and I would go into his office at two or three years old, and I would look up at his desk, and he would have three huge Rolodexes lined up, stuffed with business cards. And he would hand me ones to play with, but I always had to give them back, you know, and he'd reorganize them and teach me my, my letters by putting them in the right area. And I do remember too, Jeff, as we grew older, you'll appreciate this. My understanding of sales with my dad was this moment where we used to drive to church on a Sunday morning and my mother and my sister and I would be stuffed in the back seat because the front passenger seat was taken up by three separate three inch binders full of business cards. And anywhere my dad went, those went with him. To me, that's the definition of sales. It's really about building relationships with people, maintaining those relationships and understanding that your business is really about a conversation. Somebody needed to get that man an iPhone, right? You know, instead of carrying around these binders, you know, now we carry around, you know, 256 gigabytes worth of information, you know, within our phones, you know, pictures of them and all the different uh, things. So yeah, you're right. You know, those kind of memories and the way people used to do it, it's really not that much different. You know, like when you're organizing your CRM today, right? You are, you are putting them into specific categories. You're tagging them, you're segmenting them. And you are also creating a story so that you know how to talk to them, you know, like going forward, right? You know, like the right. next time you pick up the phone and call them, you have you actually have something informative to say instead of would you like to buy this now? That's right. I think the tendency when we think about a pitch is that 
really, we often want to lead with the product or service and say, oh, I, pr I provide these products and services. And instead, great brands, what they lead with is, here's the pain that I solve for you. And so one of the biggest things that I try to get people to understand is that to create a strong brand, you really need to make sure that you're focusing on a strong value proposition statement. Yes, you need a great tagline that says what you do, but one of the most critical components is a value proposition statement that says, here's what I know the truth is that you're experiencing, and here's how I solve that pain. And Jeff, if you've ever gone to somebody's website and you read the first few sentences and you go, oh my gosh, they read my mail. Have you ever had that happen? A couple times, yes. That is a brand that got their value proposition statement right. They just, they smacked you between the eyeballs, didn't they? And that is the secret to a good brand because that type of a value proposition statement compels you to go, okay, okay, I'm willing to listen, read on here. Hold on a second. Like, let me keep going. Good, your brand got your attention. You know, what's interesting about that is this is about intuitively knowing who your ideal avatar is, yes. who you are talking to, right? Yes. What's the starting point for you? How do you help people like, uh, like even, you know, like understand that sometimes you, you know, like uh, you, let's just take digital marketing agency owners, the world that I came from. Right. And basically what's happening is that, oh yeah, I can build websites for anybody. And it's like, well, if you're doing something for everybody, then you're essentially doing something for nobody. That's right. right? And, and then you have others that go, you know, to the far extreme. I will only work with dentists in the Miami area. Right. Okay. That's a pretty targeted niche, you know, good luck to you. Right. But when you're trying to create that value proposition and you're trying to get people to mm -hmm. pay attention to what it is that you offer and why you're better at it than others, what are the first steps? How do you coach people through this? Absolutely. So in order to get to the point where you can really craft that brand statement, right, where you've got a brand that narrows down what we do, how we solve your problem, how we're different, that's the crux of a good brand pitch. To get there, there's two big steps that you need to do on the front end. The first one, and we kind of alluded to this, was you need to know you. You need to own your tone of voice and your brand's personality. Because here's the deal. You cannot be somebody else. Great brands own who they are. Like attracts like. So the more that you own who you are and your brand personality, if you're serious, be serious. If you're playful, be playful. I don't care what color pen you are, write in the right color pen. Because if you're a red pen, you cannot write in a blue pen. So that's step one. But in step two is really defining your target audiences. And I think that there's some important questions you have to ask. You could say to yourself, hey, listen, I go through for these two or three big buckets of clientele. It could be based on size or sector, whatever it might be, right? I think there's some questions, though, that really need to help you pare down what does ideal look like for each of those audiences. Things such as level of bureaucracy. Who makes the easiest buying decision? Who has the fastest sales cycle? Who's the most fun and easiest to work with? Who brings repeat customers and referrals? When you start looking at that pattern, all of a sudden you go, ooh, hold on. There's one or two groups here that are my sweet spot that I do the best work with, that love my work the most, and there's synergy. When you nail that down, here's the last piece. To get to a value proposition statement, you need to ask the question, hold on. At the end of the day, what is the bottom level heart pain I solve for these people? Because what that does is flip your narrative from saying, hi, Bob, such and such owner of such and such company. We provide these products and services to saying, hey, Bob, here's the pain that we really solve for you, for your business or for you as an individual. Oh, by the way, how we happen to do that are through these amazing products and services.
But at first, Bob needs to understand that you care and you get him as a human. And if you can capture that, that's what it's about. So you have to look at your audiences from the perspective of what heart pain do I solve for them? That is the secret. Amazing. When, what happens after you, uh, you go through this exercise with businesses? What I'm getting at here is what happens after you, uh, you bring them to this point where they have a solid value, uh, value proposition, where they have defined intuitively who their target market is. That, can you give us an example, not necessarily with names, but uh, uh, can you illustrate for us how you took one company from, uh, you know, from point A to point B and what was the net result of that exercise? Yeah, let me talk to you about metrics for a second. Right now, first off, obviously, let's just call out the obvious here, which is if you spend all this time writing a brand, for Pete's sake, do something with it, right? So the recommendations that I'm always showing people in the brand playbook that I deliver is here's how you update copy on the homepage and the about page and the services page of your website. How do you update your social profiles? How about working with your SEO teams and your social media teams to make sure that everything's up to speed, advertising, email marketing, right? So obviously there is this piece of the puzzle that gets into what we call that baseline implementation of your message. And if you've done a good job of implementing that message consistently, this brand, the things that you start to notice, and I'll I'll call out B2B because I think that's a really obvious one, but if you're in the B2B space, there's a number of metrics that you're going to see that would show, oh, it's working. This is this is make, showing me a big before and after. The most common things that we see for my clients, and I've worked with over 300 companies at this point, um, number one, increase in the number of qualified prospects that come to the table. Are you seeing more highly qualified people that you're having an initial touch point or conversation with? They're at a different point of readiness. That's the first thing. You're meaning you're not getting as many bad eggs. You're getting a higher number of good eggs, right? Number two, based on that, you're going to see a higher number of prospects that close, okay? Because if, they're, if they heard your message and they were self-qualifying against that message and they come to the table, you're, they're going to close. But here's, of course, the interesting piece. We also find that there is a decrease in sales cycle. And this is fascinating. Think about it this way. If your brand is working, what's happening is, is whether they meet you in the Zoom room, they see it on the website, they read an ad, they're going, oh my gosh, you got my attention. Yes. And they're going to go and they're going to check you out. If they still hold a conversation with you or fill out a form or do that next step in the process, if they do that, they're further on in the journey. Instead of them getting on a demo call with you and going, tell me what you do, They're saying, I saw your amazing video and I saw what you said, and here's my issue with my business and how can you help me? So those are actually the the symptoms and the metrics that we see that improve for an organization when their brand is implemented correctly. Shortening the sales cycle, I think is probably one of the key takeaways that I, uh, you know, that I'm hearing from you, right? Because if your website and if your materials that you put out there whether it's your podcast, your videos, you know, your blog posts, whatever, if they are correctly produced and correctly written and correctly presented, right, then they should be doing a lot of that groundwork for you. That's right. Right. And if you are doing that, then you're right. Then you already are, you know, very far ahead in the game and you can really start, start the conversation from a different point, not from, Hey, let me just tell you why we're awesome, but B, let me tell you, how we can help. That's exactly right. 
That's exactly right. That decrease in sales cycle is tremendous. I had one client that went from an average sales cycle of six months. He was running big projects, right? Big, big projects that were six-figure projects. His sales cycle went down to under 90 days. That's a big shift in his revenue. When you think about his ability to manage his cash flow and his revenue increase, right? So that was just mind-blowing for him. I see clients constantly that they're in consulting services and they have an average of a 90-day sales cycle and they get their brand down. And in the process of getting their brand down, they've also realized, hold on a second, I don't need to be running Facebook ads. I need to show up in the CEO mastermind to deliver my brand pitch. And that's where I'm going to get a prospect. All of a sudden, they're closing more deals and their sales cycle goes on to under 30 days. And instead of three conversations they need to have with somebody to get to a proposal, it's one, maybe two. Now that's awesome because not only is it sales cycle, when we think about small business, Jeff, this is efficiency. This is time savings. This is like operational improvement that we're looking at. And all of those things impact your bottom line. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, my big takeaway for this is that by getting your brand messaging correct, you really can transform your business, you know, in ways you probably didn't even think of before, right? You know, if you're just thinking on the same mode of, okay, I just have this, you know, process of step one, step two, step three, step five, step seven. What happens is that by, by improving the brand messaging, you can really skip some of those steps and really drive it home a hell of a lot quicker. You really can. And you're going to free up your sales team to work smarter, not harder. You're going to free up your customer teams. You're going to start to feel a sense of relief that if you're an entrepreneur and you're the face of the brand, by the way, you no longer have to fear that you have to be a slimy salesperson. But what you can do is show up in the right room and talk to prospects and just deliver a simple pitch. And you know what? The right people are going to hear that and go, yeah, I want to have a conversation. And that's what great brands do. They don't shout at you. They don't spew at you a bunch of information. They truly are the gateway for conversations that convert. Very well spoken. Thank you so much for sharing that. Kate, can you please let everyone know how they can find you online and how they can reach out to you directly? They want to learn more. Absolutely. Well, first off, I'm on LinkedIn and I always love it. If you're listening to this podcast and you heard this, I love when people send me a message and connect with me on LinkedIn. By all means, please let me know you heard us on the podcast. And if you have a question on branding, send it my way. But honestly, the easiest thing to do is to check out my website, www.katedeleo.com. And you can learn more about my method to branding and also my book that's coming out this summer. Amazing. Kate, Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I love how you brought the energy and really broke down these these concepts. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable one big tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, 
and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.